time to talk training, fitness, and health on the Weight Endurance Podcast. We're not doctors, dietitians, or physiologists. We're professional coaches and your hosts, Cody and Kathy Waite. We've worked with hundreds of endurance athletes over the last 15 years through our training facility, plans, and programs. Within this podcast, we're sharing our own training and racing experiences, along with the knowledge gained from working with our athletes. We'll be shedding light on the training methodologies that we've found to be the most successful in making you a fitter and faster cyclist. All right, welcome back to the Weight Endurance Podcast. I'm your host, Cody. Hey, I'm Kathy. And you are listening to episode number 58. And this week we're going to talk about high-intensity aerobic training. So it's been a little bit um, since our last episode, like a month, I think, because we've been so busy. Well, busy or playing? Busy playing (laughs) (laughs) and working. No, we were. Uh, But we got to go spend several weeks, well, you were several months down in Arizona, so it felt like we were playing even when we were working. Yeah, so we kind of ended up dropping the podcast ball a little bit, but yeah. we're, we're picking it back up and getting things rolling again. Um, and one of the things, well, a couple things, is we've got our intro back, thankfully. <laughs> oh, right. Our daughter, Sophia, had lost it temporarily um, as like a computer file, and she had to recreate it. Um, so we do have that back. So I think the last couple, two or three episodes, we didn't have the the intro and outro. Yeah, the, the fanciness. Hip, the hip beats um, along with it, but that's thankfully back. Um, and then also we're going to be mentioning uh, like a sponsored by segment to our podcast because we do have a lot of great sponsors that are helping weight endurance out, specifically the We Devo, We Development Team program. Um, and one of those great sponsors um, is the Pressery which we have mentioned a few times before on the show. So we really want to highlight them because they have this new online ordering system where you can order their products, which is this amazing bone broth, like made in large batches, but it's like organic grass-fed bones and or bones from the cows that are organic. And, and chickens, yeah. Chicken broth, bone broth, and beef bone broth. Right. Um, and it's packed cold, shipped cold, um, and ship directly to you. But so up until now, you've only we've only been able to find it at some Costco's, Whole Foods. Yeah, mostly you and I would buy it at Costco in the, those like big family size right. containers that we we enjoyed. And then I think um, people have said they found them at Whole Foods, but we don't tend to go there. A little fancy for us. And a few other small grocers and things. So they've been sort of difficult to find. Yeah, but Uh, now it's like at your doorstep. Yeah, now it's like national, like you can order it. Um, I'm assuming they're shipping to the U.S. only at this point, Um, but they'll ship it to you. We got our first shipment yesterday. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah, it comes in. So so the bone broth, so not to spend too much time on this, but bone broth is like amazingly good for you. and I think Pressery, I've tried a lot over the last six months or so because I've really gotten into it. And a lot of different brands and varieties, and there's like these artisanal types that are like... Well, you were trying different things because you were traveling and you couldn't get Pressery bone broth down in Arizona. Right, yeah, so that too. So you were sort of like, well, I'll try this one and I'll try this one. And yeah, some of them were disappointing. Yeah, some were better than others for sure. Pressery is right at the top of our list of favorite. Like the chicken broth is so good. Both of them are so good. That you can literally just warm it up in a mug and like sip it, you know, as like an evening drink. But anyway, bone broth is super, super health healthful for you um, for many, many reasons. I mean, I think of it as like this elixir of youth and longevity. 
Um, one of the main reasons being the amount of collagen that is in it um, that just does so many things for our soft tissue, uh, particularly as we grow older. Um, but it's also delicious to make rice with. Uh, we do a lot of like soups with it. Um, what else do we do? Drink it, like I mentioned. Um, it's all super amazing. And then yeah. their other product is their ramen and pho kits um, where they have not dried up dehydrated noodles but actual fresh made noodles in these little vacuum packs and then you add it to their single serve so you get a cup of their bone broth it's either chicken or vegetable depending on the flavor i'm sorry chicken or beef and then you empty the fresh vacuum pack noodles mm -hmm. into that and warm it up in the microwave uh, and you have this amazingly good meal and then what most people do or what we do um, is add some like vegetables and added um, kind of flavors and nutrients to it with, you know, chop up some broccoli or onions or whatever well, you want. Well, it's sort of our favorite um, light supper before bed. You like to eat a little earlier than we used to, which I'm, I'm, on, I'm on board for too. And it's, we, we, we've usually had like a bigger meal in the afternoon after like a hard noon session or something. And then at five, six o'clock, we just want like a, a light supper and chop up some onions and celeries and carrot celeries celery carrot mushrooms yeah. and broccoli and throw it in with a bone broth and some noodles and there you go yeah it's amazing so it's really good stuff so check it out um we have a order discount code you can use weight 10 all in capitals and it's our uh last name w-a-i-t-e and the number 10 and that gets you 10 bucks off your online order so you go to pressery.com and it'll be up there on the on the home page 10 bucks off your order or and or 10 bucks off your recurring subscription. So that's the other thing that's really cool. And that's what I signed us up for is the subscription. So you can have that shipped, whatever order you want, noodles and rom, um, sorry, noodles and broth or just the broth or just the noodles, whatever, um, shipped to you like in a two week interval or a monthly interval. So I have it set up where once a month we'll get a little six pack of the bone broth. Um, Perfect. Delivered right to our door. And it's cold pack shipped. Um, they figured out how to do that, which is awesome. So we'll never run out and um, have plenty to go around. So definitely give it a go. It's a Denver-based company. They do amazing things. Um, you know, one, one, one thing I think, we've toured their factory facility um, a couple of times, and um, it's a really cool program. And one of the things, last time we were there, Ian, the the head honcho over there, explained to us that they were working a deal with the Denver Zoo mm. to use the leftover ingredients that are used to make the broth. So like the carrots, the onions, the, you know, um, I think even some of, they do some juices and things also. Um, so all the like pulp essentially of the mm -hmm. fruits and vegetables left to supplement that into the animals at the zoo, into their diet oh, that's amazing so, yeah so they're trying to like minimize their waste and yeah because actually stuff. food waste contributes to greenhouse gases so right right that's, that's really cool so yeah well super done. super good company and everything's like organic and amazing so give it a give it a look pressery.com and use code wait 10 um, at checkout to save save a little cash and get get subscribed all right um what have we been up to before we get into the main topic here well lots of time in arizona especially for you um, you finally decided to rejoin. I'm back home. <laughs> yeah, we are back, back home in our laundry yeah. studio here. We are in the laundry studio. And it's been good. We've been home for, oh gosh, I don't know, a couple weeks now. And things settled back in. 
I think um, the dogs are not happy. They were loving the Arizona weather, yeah, and we've had some snow. They're more disappointed, I think, even. <laughs> I know. Can me. can dogs get depressed? It seems like it. Yeah, yeah, they seem a little out of sorts. <laughs> yeah, we were on a really good routine um, of walking most days, twice a day, yeah. like half mile to a mile. Like in the, they love the little gravel roads through the neighborhood, and they're they're kind of sad to come home because it snowed. It snowed twice since we <laughs> the week <laughs> no. we've been home. So. Their walks have been curtailed yeah. significantly. So we also got to have um, our team camp for our, our race team down in in the Scotts, well, the Cave Creek area, Scottsdale Cave Creek, and we had about five days with them. Mm-hmm. Sadly, only 10 of the 14 could come because it was a little bit, little bit difficult with school schedules. Yeah, the college kids had a difficult time. Yeah, that was a bummer because it, it normally falls in that Christmas break between the fall semester and the the spring semester and everyone can come. So while that part was really disappointed, we, we, we made the best of it. We had so much fun getting to know the new kids and the team that could join us. And it was really busy, like shopping for 10 people, cooking for, well, not 12 of us with you and me. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had some great rides. We did some time trials um, in different parts of the, the rides, Mount Humboldt, Cave Creek Loop. It was super fun. Do you, you want to say more about yeah, that? Yeah, the riding was great. Um, yeah, I think one of the big things, too, is we have some new riders on the team that mm-hmm. are from out of state, out of Colorado. And so a few of those, it's like the first time we get got to meet them in person, mm-hmm. not over Zoom or whatever. So that was amazing. Um, I mean, to pat ourselves on the back, I think we did a great job of, like, creating a safe bubble as kind of the popular term, the COVID bubble. And everyone got tested be, right before coming down. Um wore masks, you know, all the way up to getting to the house. And we had, um, we stayed in the house that I grew up in, which is this empty house on a big horse ranch um, that could easily accommodate a large group of people. But it was completely, like, there's no furniture or anything. So it was literally, like, clean and sterile. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, once we were all together, it was like we could sort of behave normally and be near, you know, talk to people without masks on and things like that. And we would do morning temperature checks and make sure everyone was you know, staying healthy. And, um, so I think that was really fun to get all of us together to be able to, you know, make new friends, so to speak and, and connect. Yeah. They, they all seem to bond really well. And I'll, I'll throw a shout out to Casey Myers. He, he really rallied the troops for all the fun stuff in in the evening. Mm -hmm. He brought down his poker chips and playing cards and taught the group how to play poker, different games of poker. And some of the kids went out to target and bought, um, what's that dumb game? Spike ball. And they beat. They got really serious again with all their tournaments. Thankfully, no injuries this year from spike ball like last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> yeah. um, and they just had so much fun. Yeah, it was fun, and we got some really great riding in, like you mentioned. Um, what were your highlights on the riding? Oh, I, I think getting to know the two new girls in the team. That was, and so like the four girls in the team plus me, we had a group of five female riding riders together, and I, I love that part of it. And I, th- I think they did too. Just like. Mm-hmm you know, whipping around trails with the five girls or the five of us. And I don't know. I love that. And I just showing them, showing the kids who hadn't been to Arizona, the Arizona trails that we love was a highlight. Yeah. That is and that kind of threw them off a little bit. Do you remember RJ? Uh, he's from Georgia. He was like, Oh my God, like this loose stuff. I'm like, yeah, you're used to roots and big trees. And, and here in Arizona, you can mm-hmm. see for miles and miles around you. And that, I think that was throwing him off. Yeah, it's always funny to think about that. Because, I mean, I've grown up in the Phoenix area and then lived a large portion, half my life in the Denver area. And 
yeah, it is different, you know, when you go to the other half of the country or mm-hmm. other areas of the country where, yeah, like just simple things like that you don't necessarily think about of like some areas of the country have like that super dense tree cover. And so you have like no views, so mm-hmm. to speak, or they're very few and far between where riding the Arizona trails, you see literally for like miles and miles, right? Like it's, it's, it's expansive. And then, yeah, the terrain is different. Right. The, the, the actual soil and ground composition mm-hmm. is different. And, yeah, so we had to talk about air pressure um, so that we didn't, you know, whip out around a turn and break a collarbone. I, I was really nervous about that. Like, no broken collarbones. Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely different. So I think it was all all really, really great. Um, what and we, was your highlight? Um, I don't know. It was fun. I mean, we, got, we did a few little test efforts within. So each day we rode a significant ride um, of several hours and a lot of the riders were finally like first getting on their new scott mountain bikes for the first time on dirt or maybe the first time ever um and you know we snuck in a couple of tests to their surprise the first day we did a like a 20 to 30 minute hill climb test yes on mount humboldt um near the cave creek area and then the next day we did a five to six minute ish test on this trail called go john so just getting like some ideas of how fit they are kind of coming into as we're heading towards spring so i think that was kind of fun just to see them giving it their, their yeah their max effort that was there. really fun i think they bonded doing that as well mm-hmm. you know when you suffer together you bond together right, right yeah it was all really great um yeah and then since then we've just been planning our 2021 season because it's looking more and more like races are going to happen um you know there will be like covid restrictions and caps to the participants and things like that at least for the first half of the year but um i mean we're signed up a large chunk of our team is going to go do the cactus cup back down in arizona in a few weeks um just kind of as an early seasoner season opener um and then a couple riders are and myself are headed to Puerto Rico for um a continental and a pan american championship so that's really exciting um to be able to do that and then after that we're heading to Arkansas for some UCI um point races and Utah and other places so i think racing on the whole is going to happen um I will say, though, as a sad note, I don't know if we mentioned this in the last episode or not. It may have just been announced, but the Epic Rides series races, yeah, which were our, our first A race of the year, was going to be the Whiskey 50 um, in Prescott. And that's part of the Epic Ride series. And they, they've canceled all but the last one that's in October. So that was disappointing. Understood why they would do that. Just they're big, big productions. And I think planning and banking on that and with the chance of it could get pulled out from underneath them would be a big financial risk so yeah but that was a big disappointment for you and i personally you and me personally and then also for some of our u23 writers yeah 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 that's all right we'll do it again next year yeah so on that note we flipped our schedule around a little bit to go from training for a marathon distance race peak in april to a cross-country peak so (laughs) we finished up our kind of base building program yeah. and switched over to high intensity training. Oh and, lordy, we did. That was a shocker this week. Yeah, cuz we got to get like short and fast now rather than like long and steady. Well, so. and I can tell I don't have that short fast speed when we raced in White Tanks, Arizona, or the White Tanks recreation area in Arizona. Gosh, was it like 3 or 4 weeks ago now? Mm-hmm. I just 
I didn't have anything to go with the group at the beginning. Yeah. So hopefully that'll change by the time we do Cactus Cup in a few more weeks. Right. So yeah, we've started our high intensity training this week, in fact, which worked out well with the snow. I mean, I knew coming home from Arizona, it was sad to leave like the endless sunshine and warmth, but the high intensity training, um, interval training can be perhaps more beneficial or high, more effective, I guess, uh, indoors on a trainer as opposed to outdoors in many cases. And it makes you more mentally tough. And it helps us relate more to our listeners. Like, they don't probably have the luxury of going down to Arizona like we did this year. Yeah. And they're suffering on their trainers. And maybe we were, we were rubbing it in their faces that <laughs> we were down in Arizona. So um, we had to so, suck it up, Buttercup. Yeah, we had and some get garage. On our, yeah, get on our garage trainers. Garage time. And, you know, I think that's important. Like, oh, this is what they've been doing. All right, huge, huge kudos to all of our friends who've been doing this for months. And let's join this Suffer Fest here. Right, right. So we we did two VO2 max sessions this week mm-hmm. and have more slated for next week. Um, so it's been kind of... It's been good. We went to Walgreens and stocked up on gummy candies. And I may be sick of them already. <laughs> they mm-hmm. just gross me out with the, the teeth residue. But, yeah, I can't um, really do it. But it was good. Um, what, you, how do you think they went for you this week? Um, I mean, as good as VO2s on the trainer can go, I suppose. I mean, it was miserable. Um, but, you know, got through it. And, you know, you feel better once you're done with them, you know, on the day and mm-hmm. and move on. But um, it's always shocking, though, how much they take out of you or myself. I felt like, like I was worthless the rest of the day. I really did, too. So we did these, like, late morning and yeah, the rest of the day I was not very productive. I was like just I know. getting like how do people do done. those workouts and then like go sit in an office for five hours? That would be really difficult. Yeah, I don't I know. Yeah. I guess most people can work from home now, but still, it's hard to be productive after you've turned yourself inside out. It is, yeah. So that that to me was the biggest surprise. Like, it's not a surprise. I've done this for two over two decades, but. I don't know. It's just, you do kind of forget, though. It's different. And historically, we would do these at the at the gym mm-hmm. in a group, get them done, and then I'd have to work the rest of the day coaching more sessions, and you just sort of rise to the occasion. But doing them now we're working at home, it's like easy to – let's you just feel the fatigue more. Than, right. You can kind of like sink into it. Like, oh, this is yeah. what I'm really feeling. Right. Maybe I'll just put my pajama pants back on. Right. <laughs> so – but anyway, um, things are moving along. Yeah, I think it's good. It's good to get back into it. I definitely need to do the high-intensity training to get ready for these races. Right. Because they are around the corner. Exactly. And so that's the main topic of the show today um, is high-intensity aerobic training. Um, not to be confused with – so a lot of people, I think, when they hear the word high-intensity, they think like it's anaerobic training. But all of the training, basically, that we do, minus maybe the strength training, is aerobic training. I mean, even anaerobic power intervals – are primarily an aerobic contribution of of where the power is coming from. There's a greater portion of anaerobic contribution, but it's still highly, highly aerobic. So we're going to talk about that. Um, Kind of piggybacking off of, well, episode 52, we talked about low-intensity aerobic training. So if you haven't listened to that, you go back to that. That's what you want to do first to establish that quote-unquote base of fitness that then you can do your high-intensity aerobic training. Off of, and then our last episode, fifty-seven, is where we addressed our testing protocols mm-hmm. and our like training zones that we extrapolate from the tests. 
based off, off of our fatigue rate. Um, and that is super key as well. So if you haven't listened to that episode, you'll definitely want to go back and listen to that um, because we talk specifically about like the different energy systems and training zones related. And that plays into exactly what we train in the high intensity aerobic training portion of, of training. So yeah, I mean, we're just starting our high intensity aerobic training. Like our base builder program is many weeks into it already. Um, and our youth team, you know, we developments already got several weeks of it under their belt. So we're kind of playing catch up at this point, but, um, lots of stuff, lots of stuff we can share and, um, share with our listeners. But before we do that, I think we have a few questions from mm-hmm. yeah, let's, listeners. We, we haven't, we uh, touch on. we've kind of been gathering these questions for a while. So let me, let me start with a question that came in beginning of January from a listener named Paul Schwartz. It's relating to um, a strength program. He said, hey, Team Weight folks, I've been listening to your podcast for a few weeks now. I'm not sure how I found it, but I'm glad I did. I'm ready to jump in and try one of your base builder programs for low-volume athletes. But before I press by now, I wanted to check if the version 3.1 plans are up to date with your new um, your new home strength tri- pro- excuse me your new home strength progressing options. As the text at the top of the program description says, new for 2019 is our comprehensive 18-week base builder training plan for low lo- low volume athletes. I'm not expecting it to say 2021, but from the podcast, it sounds like you've made some updates in the past year and wondered if they filtered through to the training peaks plan. Thanks, Paul. Okay. Sorry, I sort of mumbled that one a little bit. That was a lot of words. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's a good question. So there's a couple questions in that question. So our version 3.1 training plans that you can buy on Training Peaks um, are our current, as of now, like most up-to-date version. Those have our strength training program using our spreadsheet designed around being able to go to a gym or having a lot of weight training equipment at home, meaning barbells, weight plates, kettlebells, things of that nature. Um, so that was, those were all created well before COVID. You know, there, there are a couple seasons, I think about three years old now at this point. Highly effective, but this year, because of COVID, our, our programming and our base builder program, you created that at-home version of the strength progressions, right? Yes. That uses very minimal equipment, like four pieces of equipment, um, and can be done at home. Very easily, and we very found easily. this really cool app called Train Heroic um, that you can use on your phone, and it walks you through the whole workout. It has like the videos of how to do the exercises as the sets and reps. It calculates things. It's super cool. Um, so our version three point one plans that he's referring to does not have that option. I am in the progress in the process of this year creating version three point two or or four. I don't know what it'll be called. <laughs> for 2022 essentially and that will include both strength options it'll be you'll either have like the equipment intensive barbell based strength which i i personally think is the most beneficial um to be able to lift the heavier weights because by then i think people will be back to gyms or they will have acquired equipment at home or whatever the case may be but it will also have the option for the at-home minimal equipment version because there are some people that are maybe are new to strength training and want or would prefer like the more of the introductory sort of, yeah. style. Well, and simplistic. The like simplistic. You can, that's you can do it at home. You can do it in a hotel gym if you still mm-hmm. do travel for work. You can you can really make a go out of 
go of a workout with very little equipment. Right. And and those that maybe don't want to go to a gym or, mm-hmm. or spend tons of money on a squat rack and all that sorts of stuff, which is totally understandable. So you'll have the option. Now, to answer Paul's question and anyone thinking like, well, I kind of want the at home, well, we now have that available on its own. Yeah, we still need to get a little link up there on the website, but we, mm-hmm. we can make that happen. You'll put some information in the show notes, I'm sure. But um, we will also offer a 25% discount to our listeners. It's a, a six-month program, 24-week program. It retails for $149, which is still pretty cheap, but we're going to offer 25% off. It'll bring it down to $112-ish, and you will have access to that that plan for a whole year. Right. So in theory, you could do the program twice through. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the, the code will be at home 25. This will all be in the show notes and it'll be on our website and you can just download the, the plan and get going. It tells you exactly what you need to purchase for your home gym. And how does someone find the plan? Like you go to train heroic marketplace. Yes. I mean, I'll put links in, but how would you explain? Um, yeah. If you wanted to just, find it yourself, you would go to Train Heroic, and there is a, a tab that says Marketplace. So trainheroic.com. Trainheroic.com. There's a Marketplace tab. And then from there, the easiest way to find it is to search by sport and select cycling. Okay. Under cycling, because let me back up. This app, it probably is more geared towards like personal trainers, CrossFit gym, people. Yeah. And so like there's going to be like a lot of like, like heavy, intensive weightlifting plans. But you can search by sport. Click on that little, you know, drop down menu, select mm-hmm. cycling, and there are actually only like a handful there of options. Yeah, there's more. I noticed last time. Yeah, I was they, in there. The, yeah. the library is growing yeah. um, on their website. So when you scroll down, you would find um, our our plan. It says um, it has our little logo. Strength we, and mobility yes, for cyclists. Twenty four weeks strength and mobility yeah. for cyclists at home, minimal equipment. Yeah, and it's it's a really great program. And um, train heroic for those that aren't familiar is made by or programmed by, I don't know what the term is, by the same people that do Training Peaks. Mm-hmm. So it looks nothing like Training Peaks and they're not like connected in any way, but it, it's the same, I guess it's coming out of the same offices or whatever. Or... Well, and great programming. It's extremely yeah. easy to use right. and um, interactive. Right. And I I'm, have a hunch that down the road, maybe they'll somehow integrate the mm-hmm. two together. So for as they get more cycling and endurance-based strength programs and train heroic they might be able to like interconnect it with training peaks too so um so yeah it's a really great program so check it out i'll put notes or i'll put links in the show notes um so you can find it and use that code it it brings it down to like 110 or 12 bucks like you said you could go through it twice in a year for sure um learn tons you know yeah i try to keep it really like fun and fresh where there are like 40 different core movements that you rotate through, mm-hmm. um, lots of different agility movements, like basically jumping, but we start pretty simple and move to more complicated right. movements and uh, several different variations of hip hinge and squat movements. Right. So, Using a kettlebell or dumbbells, you know, you could use the same one through the whole program and increase reps. Or if you are so inclined, you could go purchase heavier ones as you get for stronger. Sure. You so. can make it work for you. Yeah. Well, cool. I'm going to jump ahead to another question we had about the strength training program okay. just because we're talking about it. Yeah. And basically, in a nutshell, is just um, – it's from Richard Newell. Thanks, Richard, for writing. And he just says, hey, Cody, I'm, I'm midway through the um, above training program, which is the version 3.1 ultramarathon mountain bike. I'm greatly enjoying it. I'm wondering if I should also be doing some strength exercises on or off the bike. 
especially since the last week the ultra marathon structured program seems to be focused on aerobic power versus anaerobic. Every day I, I do yoga for flexibility and core strength, but I'm thinking perhaps I should do some weights to build muscle strength in the cycling muscles. Do you have strength programs on Training Peaks that would complement the prog- program that I am following? Um, first of all, kudos to Richard for doing um, yoga and core work every mm-hmm, day. Definitely. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I should I should really do more of the yoga stuff, and I don't. Um, but yeah, the the posterior chain strengthen strengthening exercises are really important. They hit your glutes, your low back, your hamstrings, your, even down into your calves, and then. Um, a little bit of the quads, but we work enough of our quads on the on the bike itself. Right. So, like, let's get the the backside of us fired up and stronger. Um, so, to get invested in a structured strength plan like ours that we just mentioned would be highly effective, I think, for Richard and anybody else listening. Yeah. So he could Richard specifically could jump in and get this train heroic program and and follow that. Um, and the plan he's talking about is a race prep plan. So when we go into race prep training, regardless Mm -hmm. of what the event is you're training for, that's where we go into like a maintenance mode of the strength training. And we'll have, we have an upcoming episode um, dedicated to that whole discussion, but um, you still want to lift weights and lift, in my opinion, heavy weights year round. I mean, even as you're getting close to your, your a race Mm -hmm. um, with the exception of maybe the actual week of the race. Um, to main, maintain that strength and just keep everything like activated and functioning and firing because strength training essentially is physical therapy for your body. I think so. And it helps you stay aligned and your all of the muscles throughout your whole body working correctly. Because if all you do is ride your bike, you're gonna your bike riding muscles will get very efficient, but then the rest of your muscles get neglected. Or if you sit a lot mm-hmm. at a desk in a car on the bike. You know, all those muscles when you sit are getting shortened. Um, a few of them are getting overly lengthened, and then it creates all kinds of problems. But if you do strength training year round, um, it helps offset those issues that could come up for sure. Well, issues do come up. And, and for years and years, I thought that if something felt off or sore, I would either stretch it or go to the chiropractor. And it, yeah, for years, it feels good, but yeah, it doesn't, but, solve, but the it doesn't problem. solve the problem. Yeah. And about five or six years ago, I started learning more and more about strength training, and I found good physical therapists. And that has revolutionized how I, I, I kind of attack niggles on my body. Like, something is weird and off. Okay, well, why? Usually I have a reason why. And if, even if I can't figure out a reason, just I'll, I'll go into the gym, into the garage, and, and do a strength session for 30 minutes to an hour, depending on what, what I have time for and how my body's feeling. And... 95% of the time, it, it solves the problem. Yeah. And if it doesn't, I go to the PT because, you know, I'm not afraid of, of doing that. But yeah. th- that's been really revolutionary for me to think about fixing aches and pains by strengthening and activating yes. an area versus like stretching it or cracking Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And I've come to learn too along the same lines that when I'm traveling, probably the first workout or or activity I'm going to do once I, which once I'm done traveling, you know, when I get to where I'm going is a strength based workout. Right. Um, whether it's like a long car drive, then, you know, whether it's that day or the next morning, I'm going to do a strength workout to activate everything because inevitably things are, have been switched off because I've been sitting in the car Mm -hmm. or an airplane or whatever for a long time and I've gotten stiff and just, yeah, you just don't feel well. Yeah. So that strength training is, is key. And so that's become like a an important addition to as we travel a lot um, 
doing that. So yeah. I know already I have like, I found a, a place I can do a little gym session in Puerto Rico. Like, cause oh, it's going to be like this all day. Yeah. We're staying at their Olympic training center. And so, um, <laughs> you can check a box to be able to use their oh, strength nice. training room. And, um, you, you have to sign up for like an appointment and all that sort of thing. So that'll be my morning of once I'm there of getting realigned. Cause it's, that's awesome. The kids don't have to worry about that as much, but once you're 40 plus, you sit in an airplane for <laughs> eight hours or whatever. Well, that's you're... why I'm not going with you guys, because I can't <laughs> handle the eight-hour flight it's going to yeah. be. I'm out. Yeah. Uh, I think we have time. Let's do one more Okay, one more real quickly. Question. Um, got a, an email from a gentleman named Clark Bishop. Oh, I had to turn around. Okay. Clark says, I am a recreational weekend warrior cyclist looking to purchase a low-volume base builder plan. And seeking a recommendation on duration. Do I want a 12, 18, or 24-week plan? For context, I'm not training for a particular event or race. I'm just looking to beat my like-minded dad friends up hill climbs. As I do not have a particular target event or race or date in mind, do you have recommendations on a base builder duration? I'm targeting the low-volume plan as I tend to ride between 4 to 8 hours a week. Um, and I do understand that that the low volume plan ranges are flexible. I'd also like um, to purchase the t- I'm, I'd also look to purchase the ten week race prep plan to be followed in the summer time frame as a change of pace. Any recommendations here would be much appreci- appreciated. And then he ends with some nice kudos about um, the podcast. So thanks for that. Really appreciate it. All right. Um, yeah, it's a good question. So. For someone who doesn't have any events on their mm-hmm. schedule, um, whether it be because you're just not a racer or because COVID or whatever, uh, I think it's better or maybe more optimal to stick with shorter blocks of training um, to keep things mixed and interesting and mm, spiced yeah, up. Yeah, the variety. Yeah, and avoid like potential plateaus and things like that. So our base builder programs that we have, our training plans, we have um, – a 12-week version, an 18-week version, and a 24-week version. So the 24-week, I mean, six months is a long time to be focused in one extended training block. Now, to be fair, it's really broken into – it's very progressive, and it's not like you're doing the same thing for six months. It's it's very progressive and dynamic. But it's still nice to have, like, a plan that's shorter, which is why we came up with the 12-week version. Is It's just a more truncated, compressed, you know, um, progression of the same – squeezing six months of training into three. Um, and it lets you kind of ramp up nice and quickly. It really keeps any kind of like boredom or stagnation at bay, avoiding any kind of plateaus. And then switching over to, like he mentioned, a race prep plan or something like that. That'll kind of change gears and focus more on, you know, getting ready for going faster for racing. Um, and then or going we, faster to beat his buddies. Right. Racing his buddies. So, um, uh, yeah, so... What I would recommend is go with the, the shorter 12-week okay. base builder. Um, then we also have our aerobic and anaerobic. We have aerobic booster plans, and we have our anaerobic booster plans that we introduced last year. Oh, yeah, those were fun this during, summer. Because when COVID struck and we were just basically wrapping up base builder, or getting really close to that, and it was like, oh, crap, what do we do now because there's <laughs> right. not going to be racing. So I created these plans of like concentrated training back to focusing on some aerobic stuff and then a anaerobic side of things, or, or really I should rephrase it and call it high intensity aerobic. Um, and doing that. So really doing a 12 week base builder for Clark and then maybe doing a six week aerobic booster to mix Mm -hmm. it up and then maybe doing the aerobic or sorry, the race prep block that, you know, he'd be into summer by then. And then maybe 
you know, revisiting the aerobic booster or maybe he wants more high intensity. Like he can kind of mix and match. So I wrote back and replied to him that like, he's the perfect candidate uh, for our subscription plan service too. So for 25 bucks a month, you have access to all of our training programs, training plans, I should say. And you can like mix and match and switch and go between. Um, so someone like him who's gonna, going to maybe do the more the, the shorter versions and go through several plans that would be like an amazing option for him because he can yeah that is a great idea yeah and then maybe like the training bug bites him and he's like oh i actually want to do a race come august or whatever then he can you know switch from one plan to a, a race specific plan for that event that he decides on or something like that so um yeah our training plan subscription service is really great we're getting tons of people jumping onto that now I think now that like races are starting mm-hmm. to come on calendars, people are like, oh, let's do this. And, but they're still uncertain. And that was the whole idea when I kind of put that whole subscription plan service together last summer was like, God, you know, people signed up for Base Builder and then races were canceled. You know, but not, COVID, thankfully, doesn't happen every year. But, you know, people do have work trips that get in the way or they get sick or something just happens in their life that they have to like pause their training or whatever and or change their training um and being able to change from a marathon distance race prep plan to a cross-country distance race prep plan like we just did um is perfect for that subscription service that we offer so i'll put links in the show notes anyone that's interested in that they can check it out too so uh, but good good question yeah thanks um paul clark and richard all right. All right, let's jump into our high-intensity training topic. Yeah, so high-intensity aerobic training, because just to remind people, we are still training the aerobic, the greater aerobic system. We're still breathing. Right. Um, so high-intensity versus low-intensity, you know, what is high-intensity? I mean, a quick recap, you know, low-intensity aerobic training is focused on the oxidative energy system. Um, that's meaning we're using a high amounts of fat for fuel, you know, training that kind of fat burning energy system. We are still using carbohydrates, but we're trying to, you know, maximize the fat burning power. Um, and for us, we like to focus on training based off of heart rate and in, in that kind of thing, cause it's lower intensity, high intensity aerobic training trains what's called the glycolytic energy system. So glycolytic, glycogen, it's carbohydrates. So you're, you're burning more carbohydrates than fat in this case. Um, and we are, we, we recommend training by power in this, when you're training the glycolytic energy system and then referencing heart rate based off of that. Um, so high, our definition, I think many people will agree with this, our definition of high-intensity training would be getting to that anaerobic threshold and above. Okay, so anaerobic threshold, maximum steady state, lactate threshold, all those sorts of things, FTP, all pretty synonymous, and above. So going into VO2 max and anaerobic power, anaerobic capacity, all those sorts of things, that's what would be that high-intensity aerobic training zone. Um, it does confuse people that the subsystems have the word anaerobic in them. It is confusing. Although it, like anaerobic threshold and anaerobic power are still a high-intensity aerobic training. Yeah, I've always it's found bizarre. that. It is, yeah. So the anaerobic threshold or, you know, LT2 or VT2 or maximum <laughs> lactate steady state, all those sorts of things. It's not that you're like crossing over from 
aerobic to anaerobic training because like I just said, all this stuff above lactate threshold or anaerobic threshold is still aerobic training. You're still training and relying heavily on the aerobic system. And so it's, I think it is confusing. I mean, I kind of think it should be called like maybe the glycolytic threshold because you're crossing the threshold from oxidative to the glycolytic energy systems, burning fat to burning carbs. I mean, that would make more sense, but we're not scientists or physiologists. So no, we'll go with I'll what I call you professor, but you do not have the credentials. <laughs> we're just coaches. What do we know? So, um, I mean, if it were me, I'd call it the glycolytic threshold. Then within the glycolytic energy system, this greater energy system, so the high intensity energy system, we have three or so subsystems. And again, I don't know if that's actually a technical, physiological, scientific term. I'm not a scientist, but it makes sense to me. You have you have the greater glycolytic system. Within that, you have some smaller ranges. So you start at the low end with that anaerobic threshold or lactate threshold. For us, that's like 32-minute to 64-minute power. So that's usually where people's FTP falls into that. Then you kind of keep ramping up intensity. You're going to get into the VO2 max subsystem. Um, in our nomenclature, that's kind of 8- to 16-minute maximal power to hit VO2 max. And then up above that, you get into that anaerobic power, or sometimes it's called anaerobic capacity. And that's the really short. In our number system, it's 1- to 4-minute maximum power is going to comprise that anaerobic power or anaerobic capacity subsystem. Still, all of that is predominantly aerobic-based. Now, as you move up that ladder, you're going to have a greater anaerobic, from a muscle fiber and, and metabolic standpoint, contribution. But I remember reading something somewhere a long time ago that even a two-minute maximum effort, so a two-minute time trial, is still something like 90% of the power comes from your aerobic system wow, and okay. 10% from your anaerobic system. Hmm. When you go to a one minute maximal effort, it gets closer to like 50, 50, but it's still heavy on the aerobic side, but starts to become basically more anaerobic. So anything less than a minute is essentially anaerobic. Um, so really interesting. So, you know, an eight to 15, 16 minute VO2 max effort is still probably 93, 4% aerobic contribution. Um, and certainly that anaerobic threshold or lactate threshold is almost entirely aerobic contribution. So it is confusing. They'll call it the anaerobic threshold. It's still aerobic training. Um, that's why we're calling it high intensity aerobic training rather than anaerobic training. Okay. I okay? like it. All right. Um, and you can go back and listen to episode 57, which was our one prior to this one where we do discuss these, our testing protocol, how we determine fatigue rate, and then how we get exact power numbers that relate to those subsystems, anaerobic power, VO2 max, anaerobic threshold, for the time durations we mentioned. Um, so if you're not familiar with that, go back, listen to that. It might make a little bit more sense to you. Um, so high-intensity training, high-intensity aerobic training is often associated with interval training. I mean, when people hear like interval day, they're thinking high intensity training. Um, although as a side note, you know, we do plenty of low intensity interval training too, right? I mean, everything from our high cadence drills, our ILTs, isolated leg training, our aerobic threshold, our aerobic strength. I mean, that's all low intensity training where we do do intervals. But in general, when people hear interval training, they're thinking high intensity, right? So um, never do you go do a you know, extended duration 
high intensity, you know, day. Well, <laughs> it's all broken not unless you're going to do a time trial like we did at Mount Humboldt with the kids. True. Um, but that's not really an interval. We didn't repeat it. Right. We did one and then we... One and done. Oof, <laughs> and then we like shoved some bars and candy in our mouth and hoped we'd make it back to the house. Right. Exactly. Um, all right. So with interval training, um, anyone that knows me or has trained following our programs knows that I love intervals. I'm, I love structure. Um, to that note, I'm a, we're huge fans on keeping it very simple and very repeatable. That is so true. Yeah. I have done intervals or bike training with you for how many years now? I think it's year 11. Yep. And we don't vary from the kind of the formula we kind of do much of the same thing over and over but what i love about it is now i know how to do them well right like i figured out how to pace them i i could probably match the watts i'm supposed to do even without a power meter because i've done them so many times right and you have a historical record of okay, this year, you know, yesterday, you did your intervals at whatever watts they were, and you can think back, well, four years ago, I did the same workout, and it was 20 watts less. Look how much better I am. Or in our case, it's more like, oh, I hit the same numbers I did four years ago. Thank God I'm not losing too much. Right, there's that too. I'm (laughs) definitely in that with strength training. Sophia, our daughter, is more in the... She's progressing, getting better. Yeah, because she did her (laughs) two-minute... VO2 max efforts uh, yesterday, like 270, I think she was doing. And we know her, all of us know her data, like in the family. And I'm like, girlfriend, you used to do these at 235. I remember you doing them up the Green Mountain Fire Road. And you were behind me and you were doing 235. And now look at you, you're doing 270. Right, right. And so, I mean, that's an argument in and of itself right there to have repeatable workouts. Yeah. Because it always like... You, you see these, you know, a lot of these workout programs mm-hmm. um, have like these massive catalogs of workouts. And it's very overwhelming. It's very me. overwhelming. And it, I, I kind of relate it back to the little bit of, uh, you know, something you could knock on, like, say, CrossFit or something is that like when all every single one of your workouts is different, you have very little to compare to and to recognize progress or lack of progress. And you never really get good at any one single mm-hmm. thing. You hated or element. that about CrossFit. Yeah, well, I enjoyed CrossFit in, in the in the moment. Like it's a great workout, but from my analytical mind of like wanting to progress and see improvement and get better at something, it didn't like jive. Here's what I think about. I think about that stupid Cheesecake Factory mem- menu that's like 25 <laughs> pages long, mm-hmm. and I we don't go there really ever anymore. But I, I've gone a few times, and I would. I can see myself sitting at their table, flipping through like these 25 pages going, what? How can they keep fresh ingredients on hand for 25 pages of menu items? Well, they're using the same ingredients and just recycling. It just seems like bullshit. Like, no, no, this is way too much. I'd rather go to a restaurant, even like Chipotle, where there's like five options. You want taco, burrito, or a bowl, and here's four different meats, and boom, you're done. So that's kind of, we have like the Chipotle method with our training plan. Right, and that's a great analogy because really the Cheesecake Factory, with their enormous, endless numbers of selections of, quote, meals, are essentially the same 12 ingredients just comprised in slightly different fashion. it's overwhelming. Right. And so there's, I've seen workout catalogs on like (laughs) training platforms that have so many workouts and you have to like be able to write them down, you know, 
I mean, I guess it's all, if you're doing it on Zwift or whatever, it's all up there now. But, you know, a few years ago, it was like you had to write down a whole thing on, and, and stick it on your stem so you could remember the exact... Or like thing. Sharpie on your hand to your arm. Yeah, and it's just overcomplicating things. So keep things simple mm-hmm. and keep them repeatable. Um, Agreed. And, and that's like week to week, session to session, but also like season to season mm-hmm. because it, it's really that accumulation of improving because for, unless you've been doing this for like a decade... You're going to keep improving and going up. Once you get beyond that decade mark, and certainly I'm into the two decade, uh, past the two decade mark of doing these intervals. And like you just said, I'm not necessarily getting any better, but at least I'm doing the same. I'm not right, slowing you're, down. You're maintaining. <laughs> and it, I could argue I'm actually getting a tad bit better based off of last year. But um, if I can stay the same, I'll be stoked. If I can stay the same, for the next number of years, that'd be great. Anyway, let's <laughs> enough, enough about, about us, you. right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so keep it simple, keep it repeatable. So the way, the simple way we do this, okay, is we through our testing we have assigned durations in minutes to those sub systems, uh, sub energy subsystems. You know, whether it be anaerobic threshold, VO two, anaerobic power. Those are the three high intensity systems that subsystems were training they have time durations associated with them so very similar to a power duration curve in like a wko software or you know a number of softwares out there um, where you have a number of minutes or seconds assigned to a power that you can do that's what our test ultimately figures out for you so if you take um that duration and you break it in divide it by four and it perform the power output associated with that duration done in four broken intervals that equals the total power total Time. minutes yeah, yeah that you're Why don't working you give for. an example so an example will make more sense so to train our 32 minute power which mm-hmm. is like the the top end of your anaerobic threshold okay probably a little bit above your ftp you take 32 minute power that's on our training zone calculator so you know what that is. Let's say it's 300 watts. Then you're going to divide 32 minutes by four. So you're going to go four times eight minutes at that 32-minute power. In this example, 300 watts. Um, and you'll have a specific recovery associated with that. And that's your set, four by eight. I mean, it's no coincidence that's that that's actually a very popular training prescription, right? Four by eight at threshold, um, you know, or FTP, or, or in our case, slightly above FTP. Um, is the way we would do it. So you're training your specific power capability for that duration of time broken up into a set of intervals. So super simple, right? And we basically can do that with all of the those durations associated with those subsystems. So this, why do we do this? Is it makes the, the work very achievable. Right. And if you are successful at doing a workout, you're going to want to do it again. Exactly. Exactly. So imagine if you, if the thing was like, I'm going to train my 32 minute power. So we're going to go as hard as we can for 32 minutes. That's uh, a no. test. That's yeah. miserable. <laughs> well, since we just did that at Mount Hubble, right. I'll tell you what, I have that in me about once every three months. Yeah. You can't do that very often. So by breaking it up into intervals with recovery intervals in between, you're still doing the same total amount of work. You're getting the training load or training stress applied, but in a very like receivable manner by your body. Mm-hmm. So you're not overdoing it. You could do it again later in the week. Um, right, because you haven't overly stressed your body. Right. You just did like the right amount of work. Exactly. 
Um, and that's like thinking of like that a minim, minimum effective dose, which is a popular term. It's like you want to do just enough training to create a stimulus from which to improve upon, but you don't want to do any more than that because it just takes longer to recover. Well, we preach it all the time, so maybe we're beating a dead horse here. <laughs> but, you know, I think we have to constantly encourage people to get out of that mindset of like you always have to be like dead on the floor after a workout. Right. You know, kind of not to knock CrossFit again, but kind of CrossFit style. Like mm-hmm. you better make a sweat angel on the mats on the floor and like be puking in a bucket to if the workout is going to be deemed effective. Right. And that's just not true. Right. It's very stressful. It's hard to recover from. It's, you know, we're trying to train every single day or almost every single day and maybe trying to do these high intensity workouts, you know, two or three times a week, possibly. You can't do that if you're stressing yourself too much too often. Mm -hmm. So you have to have that right minimum dose of strain or stress. Then it's highly repeatable. You can recover in a day or two, do it again. You're not like, scarred emotionally from having to, you know, smash yourself. You you can rise to the occasion, do it again. You can do it for a few weeks, you know, before you need a recovery week. And then it, you adapt to that. That's enough strain that your body then can adapt and you mm-hmm. grow stronger and fitter. And that's ultimately what we're, what we're looking for, right? So as you do grow fitter and adapt, you're looking for um, things such as, you know, lower RPE, that rating of perceived exertion. If you're doing the same workout, twice a week for two weeks, that fourth time you do it, chances are it's going to feel a little bit easier, if not significantly easier, than the first time you did it, you know, almost over a week ago, right? Um, so that's a sign that you're adapting to it. The power you're generating, the workload you're doing is becoming more or less easier for you to achieve. Also, during the workout, if you're seeing like the same power, a little bit lower heart rate, it's becoming a little bit easier, not as requiring as much stress um, or strain to achieve the power. And to clarify, you mean a lower heart rate both for the interval and possibly for the recovery interval yeah, too. Yeah, either or or possibly both. Yeah, so if you're like doing your VO2s like you were doing, like we were doing in the garage and we were getting up to say 170 beats per minute at the end of the last couple intervals, maybe next week and later part of the next week if we just saw 168 beats per minute at the same power, you know, that's potentially a sign that it's becoming a little less stressful, more achievable. Chances are RPE comes down a little bit with that as well. Um, And then also, like you said, I think almost more importantly or perhaps more um, reliably is watching the heart rate recover between the intervals. So if you have a two-minute recovery between your two-minute hard intervals, where does your heart rate get down to in that two minutes, like right before you start the next interval? And try to do the same, whatever that effort is for the interval, which is probably minimal, but do something similar mm-hmm. um, and see what the trend is. And if you are if you used to get up to 170 and then it only came down to 130 before you started the next interval, maybe in a couple of weeks it's getting up around 170 still. You're still doing the work. But now it's getting down to 115 or something. Well, that would be huge. Yeah, that would yeah. be massive. So that's a sign of, of progress, even a few beats lower too. Right. I was being more dramatic on that. Yeah, that, that shows your body's adapting to the work and is possibly ready for more work. Right. In fact, also back when we had the studio, we would, we would always do for our high-intensity interval training, the last interval of the set, we would always have people completely stop because it's, you're assuming you've, you're getting your heart rate to the highest of mm-hmm. that last interval at the end. We have people who completely stop and basically have them or instruct them to kind of lean over their handlebars and they got 90 seconds to see how far they could get their heart rate down. So you lean over, completely relax, and the the game was like 
if you got up to 170, how low could you go? You know, and, and that was a great indicator because it was so controlled. You could, you could lean over, put your arms on the bars, relax, and replicate that from workout to workout. Mm-hmm. And it would be the same constant and see how low your heart rate, you know, if it got to 90 or 85 or whatever the case was. And if you could get a little lower each week, that was a sign that you're adapting to it. But if your heart rate went from 170 and it's usually, say, it gets down to around 100 at the end of the 90 seconds, but this particular evening doing the workout, maybe it only got to 125, then that's a sign that you're probably getting fatigued mm-hmm. and maybe the next, the weekend should be kind of relaxed. Um so recovery heart rate is something to really like pay attention to. Um, and again, I like bang my head on the wall when I see people training with just power and, and not, not heart rate. Here he goes, folks. Get my soapbox. Like, yeah. <laughs> put your freaking heart rate strap on. It's so I valuable. I totally It's giving agree. you so much feedback. Yeah. It's giving you so much information. Yeah, it really is. They, It's like a husband and wife. You have to have together or a partner and a partner. Like, right. Not, yeah, you, you have to have the two together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're only getting half of the picture. You're you only just, getting uh, half the picture. It just doesn't make sense to me either. Yeah. Th- I, I think you're right. The, heart, the recovery heart rate shows more about what's really going on with your body than anything. Because a lot of people who, especially competitive type A driven people, even if you're really tired, you can like force yourself to like do the work. Do in the power. It, do the work in yeah. a you know, two minute interval, four minute inter- interval. But your heart rate's not going to lie. If it's not coming back down to where it's supposed to for you as a as an individual, then it's you know that's it's telling you something. Right, exactly. It's telling you something. So that recovery heart rate is super super key, um, and the work heart rate can be skewed a little bit because in your example, if you're like super tired, but you can like force yourself to do the work, <laughs> sometimes your heart rate won't get as high because you're so tired. Yeah. So it's not that you necessarily gain more fitness. So that can be, and that's where it takes a little bit of experience to understand that side but the recovery mm-hmm. one is pretty straightforward yeah, like it did it get as low as normal was it you know short of that or or better that's pretty black and white in my opinion so all right we got off on a little tangent yeah put your heart rate straps on um they're comfortable these days the wahoo ones are amazing so uh yeah okay so let's say you're making improvements um your rp is getting lower your recovery heart rates are getting lower you're ready for progression so in our intervals, um, there's a few different ways you can progress and make them kind of increase the challenge or the workload. The obvious one is you can increase um, the number of intervals. You know, maybe instead of four by eight, maybe you attempt to do a fifth one. That might be too much of a jump. Um, you can also increase the number of sets, and that's more usually with like the shorter intervals that we'll talk about coming up, but that is one option. Um, you can also shorten the recovery periods. That's a popular tactic of ours for the um, VO2 max intervals indoors um, in our studio. We would slowly pull away the recovery duration that you had to work with, but still do the same amount of work in the VO2 intervals. Um, You can do restricted recovery periods, meaning not a full recovery where you just kind of sit there and rest or soft pedal, um, but you have to maintain a a moderately high percentage of power. Um, That's a popular strategy we used in the anaerobic power intervals in the gym. Um, or you can simply up the power. So if you're doing 350 watts, maybe you want to try 355 watts. Um, if you're getting to the point of thinking that's what you want to do, then you probably should retest and actually confirm where you are. that you are doing more power. So right. uh, several different ways to do it. <clears throat> All right. So we, let's get into like our, our quote unquote favorite. Um, 
high intensity aerobic training sessions. Cause I think we have th- basically three that we do yeah, annually that are simple and repeatable and throughout so the whole season. We do these a lot. Simple and repeatable inside and outside. Yeah, exactly. So let's start on the lower end of high intensity, which would be that anaerobic threshold. So I already said earlier, you know, that power duration is roughly 32 minutes to 64 minutes. So half hour to an hour. Most people's FTP falls somewhere right in there close to that hour mark, right? By definition. So these are fairly long intervals. If you divide 64 minutes by four, that gives you 16 minutes. Um, So that's a pretty lengthy interval. So you might do four times 16 minutes at that 64 minute power. We'll usually start these with a two to one work to recovery ratio. So that would mean a 16 minute interval, you get an eight minute recovery to work with. And this would be a great one if you're progressing. If you're already at four times 16 minutes, which is a lot, you can slowly pull away some of that recovery and work down to maybe like a four to one recovery. And that'd be actually a really hard workout. You'd go four times 16 minutes at your 64 minute power and you'd only have um, four minute recovery, like a four minute recovery, which is tough, um, but doable. Another way to start that is you could start with just two times 16 minutes or three times 16 minutes, which is what we would do in the studio. Because partly because those are such long intervals, we try to keep our workouts to like 70 minutes um, and, and whatnot. But if you do these outside, um, it's doable. Then another workout in the same way, if you want to work like the high end of your anaerobic threshold or lactate threshold, That's closer to the 32-minute power. Same idea, four times eight minutes at 32-minute power, two-to-one recovery, so four-minute recovery, and progress down to shorter recoveries. Um, And that's a popular one that we will prescribe, um, especially in the base builder program in indoors because eight minutes is a little more tolerable. Yeah, 16 is a little hard on the trainer. Yeah, I rarely, I'll be honest, we did make our base builder people do the 16s. indoors um this year virtually you know um with our online program but i will rarely do those myself <laughs> and i like doing them outdoors for sure but i'll do the i'll do more power for shorter durations would be my um, preference yeah me too um <clears throat> so that kind of covers like anaerobic threshold pretty straightforward pretty simple um and these are not like outrageously uncommon i mean four by eight right four yeah. four by 15 or four by 16 or you know is not um uncommon at all i mean there's, and there's a reason for that because these are highly effective all right then moving up the high intensity subsystem energy system chain vo2 max like we said earlier um this is our eight to 16 minute power so with this workout because the intervals are shorter now we can do both the high and the low, kind of in our classic training session. So we'll go four times two minutes at our eight-minute power. Mm-hmm. And we have a one-to-one work-to-recovery ratio, so a two-minute recovery. And that would be set one, training our eight-minute power. Then set two after like a five-to-ten-minute break um, would be four times four minutes at our 16-minute power. Again, one-to-one, so four-minute recovery. That's something we've done for years um, in the in the studio. It works amazingly well. Now, go, taking these outside, I might focus strictly on the eight-minute power, and I might do multiple sets of four times two minutes, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of variations in here, but this is sort of the, the benchmark workout, the single benchmark workout of combining the, the eight-minute power and the 16-minute power. 
Um, <clears throat> now indoors, as we mentioned earlier, will be a little devious and we will gradually, to progress, we'll gradually remove some of the recovery seconds that one has to make it more of a challenge. You're doing the same total amount of work. You're still doing eight minutes at eight minute power broken yeah. up. But starting with two minute recoveries, then it goes down to like a minute and a half recoveries and eventually just one quick minute recovery. Um, oh my God. Is that what's in store for us next week? Um, funny enough, I think we're adding intervals. Okay. We're going to keep recovery. The it, same. There is something scary about reducing that rest time. Yeah. Isn't there? It's challenging for sure. I mean, and it's highly, highly effective. It is. Yeah. Now doing these outdoors, because I do like to do VO2s outdoors in the summer, um, we'll just add more reps and actually we'll do that indoors ourselves later um, next week. So you might do add a fifth, so five times two minutes at at eight minute power. The reason being is indoors, it's so highly controllable. You can be so specific and say, I'm going to reduce my recovery from two minutes to 90 seconds Mm -hmm. and it's done. Outdoors, you're doing these likely as a hill repeat and you can't necessarily be that precise. The precision isn't quite there, right? So your intended two-minute recovery may end up being a minute 45 or or 205 or, or whatever. like when we go over to Green Mountain and do that one little loop, it, we climb up for like two and a half minutes and come down for six. So right, that really throws it off. Yeah, so that kind of throws it off. So you'll add more reps yes, sir. to it in that fashion. Um, and then the last high-intensity one, the anaerobic power or anaerobic capacity. So that's that one to four-minute maximum power. Same formula four times 15 seconds at one minute power now with these you're looking at about a three to one or one to three sorry one to three interval to work to rest ratio so 15 second interval you get 45 seconds to recover that's one set goes by really quick um the second set then we're meeting kind of in the middle and we're going four times 30 seconds at our theoretical two minute power our calculated two minute power um, with a 90 second recovery. So it's 30 seconds hard, 90 mm-hmm. seconds recovery, a lot of recovery, um, in there. And then the last set is training the four minute power. So you're going four times one minute at your four max four minute power with three minute recovery. So the, um, that one to three work to rest recovery, cause you're doing such high power, you need more time to recover and kind of re- recharge those anaerobic fibers. Cause you're starting to get a greater contribution from those. Um, this is, I mean, we've done this workout many, many times indoors and out, um, indoors. What we like to do in that base training season is do this with restricted recovery. So even though you have a fair amount, you have three times the amount of recovery compared to the work interval, we do the recovery at half 50% of the work interval amount. Okay. So for example, the 15 second power is I think 190%. It's right around 190%. So then the four, yeah, if you're doing ERG mode, it's prescribed to 190% of your set FTP in the system. Correct. And then that 45 second recovery is not an easy spin. You're actually, what is half of 90, 95%. 95%. So basically you're doing threshold. So I always tell people when we do these in the base builder program is you're basically doing a four minute threshold interval with some surges with some big hits yeah 15 seconds at almost double your Ooh, ftp that one's a booger and you have to recover right around your ftp so um <clears throat> i like this a lot indoors because again it's so highly precise you, it's really hard to replicate that outside where you, you can control the exactly 50 percent of your work interval as your recovery interval 
Um, and then the likewise the four minute or four times thirty seconds that's done at like one hundred and sixty percent of FTP. Recovery then is at eighty percent. So still no easy spin, but you're riding like a nice little tempo effort. Um, <clears throat> so again, it's like doing a an eight minute aerobic threshold interval with four thirty second. Um, big hits at 160% of FTP. And then four times a minute at your four minute power, but your recovery, um, that's about 130%, give or take, of FTP. And then your recovery is about 65%. So more like a zone two. That starts to feel like more like a real recovery. Um, So that's fantastic. And then we would progress those in the studio by adding more intervals in Mm -hmm. in our base builder program. So you start with the four sets, or yeah, four reps of each set. And then the next session, you'd add a fifth rep per set, and then a sixth, and I think... No, I don't think we did more than six. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, that's just too mean. Right, so it would be six of each of those going through. So really great workout. Now, if you do this outside, again, you don't have quite the precision and control, um, but you, you typically do these as hill repeats. You can go really hard, and then you get to really recover as you turn around and coast back down the hill. So... Potentially, you can do a little bit more work, a little more power, um, because you're getting more of an actual recovery, mm-hmm. and then you're adding more reps to it. So we would do these with our junior team a lot. Um, it's very cross-country mountain bikey or any kind of mountain bike, really. But. but we also tried this workout outdoors on Highway 40, which is a long climb, mm-hmm. and we uh, we did the version that we would do inside with that restricted recovery. Yeah. And it wasn't exactly as precise as being on the – the trainer in erg mode but right i mean it was hard i remember like going oh damn it i would want to just like sit back down after the 14 seconds and spin and i'd I'd have to like kind of snap to it and go oh no i have to like crank out 95 percent of my ftp so it was um it was a a challenge to stay mentally focused to like hit those numbers during the total the four minutes right right so that's a great little variation of Mm -hmm. basically the same workout but um so, I mean, those are the three, or I guess you could argue four, because the anaerobic threshold with the two versions, the two it. versions, those are kind of two different workouts. I've never done four by eight and then four by 16 in one workout. Um, so it's kind of like four of our like keystone cornerstone workouts um, within our progressions, really. So um, super, super good stuff. And they're simple and they're repeatable. And if you have the data, you can look at it, you know, week to week year to year, you know, over many years and see the the progressions. Um, then it leads us to our big golden question. Shakespearean question. Right. Um, is, you know, to erg mode or not to erg mode when you're doing intervals indoors? Um, let's argue about it. Let's argue. <laughs> no. I think it's an interesting debate because you and I this week did it differently. Yes. So, um, yeah. Why don't you tell about how your experience went and what you decided to do on the trainer? Yeah, so those who know me, I'm not a big fan of erg mode, um, but I wanted to give it a go again because it had been a while. I have been on the trainer yet this year and um, just talking with all of our athletes and instructing people, you know, if they want to do it in erg mode and just getting that experience. Um, I still didn't want to do it on Zwift because it's too... I don't like Zwift, <laughs> um, but I used Wahoo Wahoo Kicker with a Wahoo Bolt. Um, had the workout, you know, on the Bolt, which is super cool, by the way. Um, I will give props to that. Um, it's a cool software. It, yeah, sure. it's really neat that you can do that without any kind of like 
com like computer or a third party mm -hmm. app. You can do it within your head unit talking to the trainer. And it, that part is pretty cool. Um, but I did it. I found, so we were doing VO2. So we were doing that four by two at eight minute power and then four by four at 16 minute power. I was struggling um, with, for me, and I'm sure I would get better at this if I were to do more of these, but I think I was in too big of a gear on the trainer. And the trainers are very, and, and erg mode is very susceptible to flywheel speed. And in the gym, when we would do this in the studio, it was graphically displayed on the screen with like red, yellow, or green, yellow, and red, like a little dial. And you, it would, you would shift into the right gear that kept you in that green zone of indicating you were in the optimal flywheel speed. Without that though, at home, because that we have, that's a different software we had for the studio. I wasn't totally sure like what the optimal flywheel speed is. So what I found is my natural tendency when I started out with it is I was in too big of a gear, mm -hmm. meaning the flywheel speed got too fast. So I had, I was pedaling kind of a, a higher cadence and I actually couldn't get the system. I felt fine and I could do more work, but I couldn't get the power to match like the power I wanted but then I figured out okay if I shift to a little lesser of a gear it would slow the flywheel speed down it did get hard harder or appropriate um and but it just to me felt very like artificial with erg like it really wants you in this like certain narrow cadence range if you deviate from that you know the torque either gets really high you know if your cadence drops or the torque gets really low which is what I found initially and you know you're pedaling too high of a cadence. Um, it was too like mechanical and artificial feeling. Yeah, it was not working for you. So yeah. yesterday when you did the second um, day of VO2 max, you you again tried to to do erg mode, and then you got annoyed and switched over to like a manual mode. Yeah, so I turned it off yeah. on my head unit, and then basically used the slope controls on the head unit again of the trainer, which is cool. You can control that, and just put it in like slope level three or something and then I could just pedal as if I was outside like I could just find the gear I wanted to be in I could manipulate cadence wherever I wanted I could go to 80 rpm if I wanted I could go to 105 or 110 if I wanted I could shift gears you could stand you I could, could sit. sit I could stand yeah. yeah it was a lot more like dynamic and I could really it, to me that was more like riding outside um over terrain and you know maybe I'm just soft and can't sit still and maybe you're stubborn no. or stubborn <laughs> so and that could be it because i've done trainer workouts these types of intervals for over 20 years and on the trainer and that's you know smart trainers are a relatively new invention and we had you know magnetic trainers and then we had fluid trainers and even before that we had wind trainers and you just shifted and made it work and you I don't know. There was a lot more adjustability. I just liked it better. <laughs> no, I, I... And I could hit my numbers where they needed yeah, to Yeah, I think it was very frustrating for you that you just couldn't get the the trainer to cooperate. Like, why is it not letting me get whatever the watts were you're supposed to hit? it? You right. were like 20 or 30 short, and it was maddening for you. Right. And that's when you want to just, like, chuck it through the wall if you could pick up that heavy thing. Um, now, I was on my trainer using erg mode for both sessions and it worked for me and so why did it work differently i'm not 100 percent sure you know i just had kind of like that perfect um gear that i picked on, on mm -hmm. my bike and i 
I was spinning between like 97 and 102 RPMs. And that somehow I think works better with the smart trainer mm. software. And I, maybe you were wanting to go a little bit lower cadence, but it just sort of worked for me. Yeah. And well, I one have, thing I noticed with you too is you were very like you were fine being planted in your seat the entire time. Like you were very like, and this is a compliment, like very machine like. Like you were just chugging it out. Robotic. <laughs> well, I was. Yeah. Um, it's funny because if we ride our bikes outdoors, it hurts my back to to stay in one position very long. But for these intervals, it's the only way I can do them. Like I can't stand to do these two and four minute ones. It changes your cadence too. Yeah. Like, well, my legs feel like they're going to like crumble and I'm right. going to fall down. So I admire you that you're over there like moving around. I'm like, what the hell are you doing over there? But for me, I just sort of have to like basically close my eyes and I count to 10 over and over again. I've said this before in podcasts, like one pedal stro- stroke every number and it anchors me in the moment, in the moment, like metaphysically anchors me somehow. And it's the only way I can endure them. And I somehow it just like I get lucky. I think that the the gearing just works for how the software wants to manipulate the trainer. Right, so right. I kept it in erg mode. I think I will probably keep it in erg mode for next next week. I don't know. Maybe I'll try and just have a comparison. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've been talking a lot about it. I mean, I associate erg mode as being similar to running on a treadmill, which the, I actually hate doing. Right, where the the machine, the treadmill is set at eight miles per hour or whatever Mm -hmm. and you simply keep your legs turning over and keep up with it and there were back in our triathlon days like there were some workouts I loved doing on the treadmill because you could crank it up really high you'd lower yourself on the treadmill and if you were working like the top end like leg speed and like forced you to do it yeah you had to keep up or you'd literally fly off the back right so (laughs) please don't do that um, so you know there are useful things for for erg and for Mm -hmm. that um you know, I think pacing is one of them, mm-hmm. especially maybe for less experienced riders, perhaps. Not, I'm not saying you are because you're actually exceptional at pacing. Um, but, you know, I think that might be an appeal for a lot of newer riders or new people for training, you know, doing intervals and things. To, because you can't go too hard because it won't let you. You know, it'll just get easier, basically, if you go too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it also kind of kicks you to keep up and, and go keep the legs turning or it'll just bog down. So I, Well, that part of it I sort of needed this week because I was nervous to do the workout after not having done a VO2 max session for, like, what, eight months, I mm-hmm. think. So, I mean, frankly, I was kind of, like, looking forward to the machine forcing me to do a certain range. And you could just count in your head. Yeah, then, then I could yeah. just, like oh, I can do this. And then I can close my eyes, chew up my gummy bears and count to 10 over and over again. I can just get through this. Yeah. If I had had to like choose my effort level, I don't know if I could have done it as well this week. Yeah. Outside, I have no problem doing that. Like we're climbing up that little hill. I'll just do it. But I felt like I needed a little bit of handholding this week myself. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think ERG can be great. But can I say something? Oh, I just banged the table. Like on the flip side, though, like a good buddy of mine is going through a really stressful time. And I have encouraged him to like take, turn that dumb erg mode off. That's Mm -hmm. what I said to him. Like just turn it off because it was becoming like just demoralizing for him. I'm like, that's just not where you, where your like head is, your body is this week, this month. Like stress elsewhere. You got so much stress. stress Yeah, take the stress of the of the training stress off. If you turn off the erg mode. In fact, I even told him like, 
take the watts field off of your head unit. Don't even look at it mm -hmm. because that's like discouraging if you know you're supposed to be at like 300 watts for something and you're at 250. So just take that off completely. Look at where your heart rate strap, look at where your heart rate is. And if you're trying to hit 92% of your heart rate for those, those intervals, then just do that. And like, my God, that's a great, that's a great session you had and yeah. you pat yourself on the back for it. Right. Right. No, that, that is, that is true. Um, yeah. And one last thing on like erg mode or not to erg mode is, you know, um, like the, the prescription of erg mode is a percentage based off of one's FTP mm -hmm. for the interval and using our testing and the fatigue rate concept and assigning like a power to the duration for that system you're trying to train is different for each person based off of their individual fatigue rate. So to say, for example, 115% is going to be your VO2 max interval, 115% of FTP, which is common as like a erg mode workout. 115% of FTP might be a little too much or maybe not enough for a specific person based on their fatigue rate. Um, it may be closer to 112% or it might be 118%. And that is splitting hairs perhaps a little bit. But um, I think it makes a difference when it comes down to these high intensity. I levels. agree because to me, there's not much of a range. Yeah, there. the difference between 340 watts and 350 watts for four minutes is a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. And that's a couple of percent. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, you know, so there is some differences there. So, I go about it as like I want my indoor training to be as similar to my outdoor training because mm -hmm. I race outside. Now, maybe if I raced on Zwift or something, but that's a whole other rabbit hole of, of strangeness. But um, keep things as similar as possible. If you're going outside, you don't have erg mode to mm -hmm. kind of steer you along and do things for you. Um, Instead, know what numbers you're trying to hit and stay focused on those and hit those numbers. And whether you're indoors or out um, is, you know, is something. So just something to be people to be aware of. So if you're using our spreadsheet, getting our training duration subsystem alignment on our spreadsheet, it may not line up exactly. So it might say your eight-minute VO2 power is 300 watts and maybe the percentage of FTP in the erg mode has you at 308 watts or something. Mm -hmm. It's probably okay, but maybe it's just enough too much that makes it too difficult. Or maybe it's set at 290 and it's maybe you could go a little more. So I don't know. That's it's little minor details. To, but. It's something to consider. And I do think it's personal per athlete. I mean, mm -hmm. just look at the two of us, you know, kind of arguing about which yeah. is best. And, mm -hmm. and it, I think it, it's not really there's a a good and a bad. Yeah. And you just have to like try both ways and see which works better for you. Yeah, yeah. And there's also like different ways to generate the power too. And that's what I found doing when I turned erg mode off, I had that in my control. So when I started like my four minute intervals, for example, I think three fifty was the goal for four minutes. <clears throat> and I would start in a little easier gear. Because now I could shift and manipulate everything myself. Mm -hmm. I could start in a little easier gear, a little higher cadence. I'd start at like 110 cadence. And oh, I'd wow. try to hold that okay. for like the first minute. And then it started to get hard to keep it at 350 watts at 110. So I had to – then I would shift down a gear and 
cadence might have dropped closer to 100, but I could keep it up. And then as I kind of worked my way through the interval, and especially the set of intervals, as I started to get more fatigued, I know I need to draw more from like my muscular mm. system to create the power, meaning I need to shift a little bigger gear. I need to stand up and really like yeah, I was in muscle while it. you were standing up. There's no way I could have stood Be- up. Because I couldn't, I would start to get maybe fatigued neuromuscularly where I couldn't keep yeah. the cadence where it needed to be. Well, that worked for you, but I couldn't have done that. Yeah, and it's different for different people. But I know thinking back, like when I'm in a group ride or in a race situation and I want to like, Go really hard for whatever reason. You stand up? I'll Yeah, quite often I'll have to stand up to get all mm. those like watts out. Now, not everyone does that. A lot of people are, you know, more of a steadier seated type rider or whatever. So it's sort of like you can, when you're not an erg, you can create your power in different ways. And then I started playing with it where I do like, you know, the first minute, I'd, or each minute I'd go 40 seconds at a little higher cadence, easier gear, and then I'd go 20 seconds in a bigger gear standing. You were doing all that? Okay, I had my eyes closed. To break it up. Because <laughs> I was trying to break it up and, and change, oh. trying to keep me from getting too fatigued. Because I knew okay. if I kept doing what I was doing, I would get to where I'd have to stand up for the last two minutes of four minutes, and I don't know if I could do that. So it was just weird ways of manipulating how you create the power. What's funny about this part of the story is I had my eyes closed and I had no idea you were doing all of that. <laughs> I was in my own little like supper fest yeah. in, with my eyes closed. So in some ways, you, I was envious of you because you were just like in one spot, I like was, chugging yeah. away and, and nailing it. And I felt like I was over here sort of suffering, like shifting and standing. Well, and honestly, see, your heavy and... breathing was bothering me so much <laughs> that between your obnoxious music choice and your heavy breathing... I was thinking I was going to have to go get my earplugs for sleeping because it was almost too much for me. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, but I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, folks. Erg mode, to erg mode or not to erg mode. It could break up our marriage. <laughs> we'll leave it up to, to you, the listener, <laughs> to decide. But there's, right. there's pluses and minuses to both, but things just to be aware of. So. All right. Let's wrap this up. We, yeah. We rambled a long time. A lot of rambling. A lot of banter. Um, but yeah, to wrap things up, uh, I mean, these interval progressions are built into our plans, obviously. So, you know, if you are looking for a training plan, get onto our website, weightendurance.com. Um, we have stock plans. We have the subscription plan service, like we like we mentioned. Um, you can use discount codes BASEBUILDER25 or RACEPREP25 to get 25% off of the base builder plans or the race prep plans. Um, on Training Peaks when you when you check out there, um, training plan subscription service is done directly through us. So you fill out a form, you make payment on our website, and then I myself will email you and get you set up. We connect our Training Peaks accounts, and then we can start loading up plans, and I can help steer you in the right direction. So you get a little bit of quote unquote coaching with that, of kind of what's best to do based on what your plans are for the upcoming season, um, or if you want something a little bit more specific customized to you we have our custom training plan options as well where we look at every little detail of your life and your race schedule and all that to make it just right for you um so you can check all those out on our website and questions you can email us yes you can right? yeah <laughs> um at cody at teamweight.com or kathy with a k at teamweight.com and then lastly, you can help us out a ton if you like listening to us and leave a rating and review on your um, podcast provider. And mo- more importantly, perhaps, is like share the show with your friends, your yeah. coworkers, your well, training yeah, buddies. One of the emails we got 
I can't remember which guy now said his buddy at work had turned him on to our podcast. That, that was really fun. Yeah, that's that's the best way, right? Like a personal referral is yeah. the best way to. So thanks the thanks best for that. Thanks for your emails. Keep those coming. Yeah, that helps us get more listeners and we can create more content um, and keep the, the thing, the whole thing rolling. <laughs> Um, all right, so we're getting into race season up ahead. We've got lots of fun new stuff to talk about on the podcast, like regarding like getting ready to race too. So yeah. we've got we're making kind of a little docket of what we'll be talking about. But we are hopefully I'm not jinxing it, but I think we're going to be racing this well, year. Well, <laughs> I'm happy we got to race one time already. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. So knock on wood, we can keep doing it. Yeah. So keep up the training so you're ready for racing when it does uh, roll around here. Hopefully soon. All right. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. Everything we discuss on the Weight Endurance Podcast, we integrate into our annual Base Builder training program and downloadable training plans. Our Base Builder program is an annual online virtual group training program with us as your coaches, allowing you to build your best cycling-based fitness possible to prepare you for your next riding season. We also offer downloadable training plans for base building, cycling-specific strength training, and specialized race preparation for road, gravel, mountain bike racing, and everything in between. Consider our training plan subscription service, where you gain access to all of our training plans for as little as $20 per month. This allows you to easily switch between plans to create your most complete annual training progression. Regardless of the type of cyclist you are, by becoming a part of the weight endurance training community, you're allowing us to help you become a fitter and faster cyclist.